good. Give him your best this morning. Yes, you may be seated. I have some announcements for you. Welcome to Cross Community. You have a QR code there to fill out your Connect card. There's a yellow card in your pew in front of you. And those that are online, if you're watching with us today or later in the week, we would love for you to fill out that Connect card, connect with us throughout the week. But we're so excited that you're here today, even in the snow falling. It's beautiful. I love winter and snow. So I have so many announcements because snow is coming. That means Christmas is coming and Thanksgiving first. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving baskets today. You guys have been amazing this last week with all that you've brought in. We still have some items that are needed, but we're creating 25 baskets through our food pantry that Joyce Lage uh, does ministry with here. And then also our students have created a nonprofit called Lotus 5, 16, 13. It's a verse. I don't know. I, I, anyways, uh, Lotus 5, 13. I got it in my notes. Look at my notes. Okay, so we would love for you to continue to bring those items in. I've been trying to give you a list uh, for you to get updates. I think we're good on some items. But anyway, Thanksgiving baskets, they're due next Sunday. Any items that you can pick up from the grocery store. Number two, you were given a, a envelope this morning for World Evangelism Fund. And we would love for you to be a part of our thanks offering. It's going to be next Sunday, November 20th. This is all of our Church of the Nazarenes worship together in support of our global missions. So pray about that. Think about that. I put a thing in my mouth. Okay, so, and then next Sunday, we're decorating this place for Christmas. Woohoo! We're excited. So, please sign up. You can take a task of just do one thing, and then you can go home. You can go get lunch, come back. We just stay here from, like, noon to 3 and just decorate the sanctuary, decorate the foyer. Uh, the contact person is me. There's a sign-up at the Connect Center. We'd love for your family to stay. We have kid things. We have adult things, teenager things. More hands make light work, and we can get her done. And then also, because that's coming up, we have our Advent season, our Christmas season, starting on the 27th. So there's devotional books at the Connect Center. You can pick those up for $6, or you can scan the QR code if you have Kindle, Nook, and iTunes, uh, and download download that. Also, The Chosen is going to be in the theaters, and Julie Jenkins has five extra tickets. Wave your hand. Holla. Uh, so Julie right here has tickets. She's got five tickets. It's going to be in the theater on Friday if you're interested in seeing the Chosen uh, series. It's season three. Uh, Faith with Feet. I'm like, I'm pointing to everybody like, woo, you got something going on. You got something going on. But uh, Faith with Feet is our men's ministry, and we would love for you to be a part of that third Saturday is this weekend, so they're going to be doing some service projects. They'll start here at 8 a.m. in the foyer and then go out within our community to do service projects. So, guys, if you need to use those muscles, come on Saturday. And uh, John Steenhoven here is our contact person. And then Pancakes with Santa is coming Saturday, December 3rd. Uh, so we had this place buzz in for Harvest Party, and we would love for you to be here to run a game, cook pancakes, be with our kids. Uh, this is an event that we do, and then we invite the We Care and Haverhill Elementary to join us for that. Uh, so sign up for that. They're at the Connect Center. And then I'm going to say it real quick, but these two right here in the front row just got engaged. And I'm so excited. So we want to say awesome news to Elizabeth and Dom. And so we're excited. Pastor Kyle's preaching for us this morning. Stand up, greet somebody, and say, wow, that was a long announcement.
All right. Let's gather back. Oh, my, you guys are just talking away. So good. Before we sing our song that gathers us back, we have, I have one other announcement. Uh, one, one more thing that we want to celebrate. Uh, this week is Veterans Day weekend. And so when it comes to our time of prayer um, here in just a bit, I'm going to invite all our veterans to stand where they are. And uh, we want to pray for you. Um, we're so grateful for the sacrifice that you made. Um, some in your time, some time away from family. Um, some you were on the battlefield and that took away, it takes an emotional toll on you. Uh, some of you lost friends and saw that. And so we want to say both thank you for your service. We want to pray that God continues to heal you. Um, from those things, and, and we want to pray that the Prince of Peace comes and, uh, and eventually makes it to where we have no more veterans because he rules and reigns in peace. Uh, but we want, to, we want to do that when we get to prayer time here in just a little bit. After the service, though, today, we're going to have some cupcakes out in the hallway because we also, the Bible tells us to celebrate with those who are celebrating. And one of our own, Ian Jennings, uh, became a citizen of the U.S. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're excited for that. So we're going to have some cupcakes and celebrate with Ian as we go. But isn't it good to be together, to celebrate, to pray, to sing, and to remember that we have a place to belong. Hallelujah. I belong here in your presence. to the world. 
Did you need to hear that this morning, church? Those of you who are gathered online, wherever we are right now, He will come. He will come and save. We want to sing our song that we've been singing all throughout this series about God's love. So we want to sing. His arms are open for all together hear the cross is spoken. There's nothing left to fear once and for all He's shown how far His grace will go for us. Our God is love. Let's sing that again. His arms are open for all together here the cross has spoken. There's nothing left to fear. Once go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and we're going to invite you to take that posture. In fact, we want everyone who is not a veteran to be seated. If you have served in any of our armed services, I want to ask you to remain standing. And if you're near a vet, and you can, would you just uh, put a hand on a shoulder, or and just, uh, we want to let them know they're supported in the ways that God has blessed us through them and through their sacrifice of time and emotions, uh, just take this moment. Let's gather around and let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that we can gather here today in this moment. We're so grateful that we can worship our King, the one who showed us what God's kingdom coming is like kingdom of servants, a kingdom that takes the power it has and does not hoard it to itself, but empties itself, uses its strength and its power, its riches and its blessing to serve and lift up others. And so we worship you, Lord Jesus, as our true King. And we need your spirit's strength and power to learn how to live as kingdom people. Because your kingdom is different from the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world would, would have us hoard strength and power, would have us hoard our money, would have us grab all we can for ourselves. And so we need your spirit to come and open our eyes to see the true kingdom to learn to lay down our lives and our power and our money and our fame and anything that would get in the way. Any gift you have given to us is not for us alone, but is to bless those around us. Teach us your kingdom ways, we pray. And today, on this Sunday in particular, we think of those who have given of themselves for the sake of others for our veterans who have given their time have given their time away from their families they have given their emotions they have given their bodies in service to our country and so God we pray that you would be especially close to them that you would begin to heal old wounds and old memories that they would be able to fade into the distance and that you would bless them and help them as they move forward in their lives as husbands and dads and workers and wives and, and moms and, and, uh, and just citizens of our country. Bless them, we pray. And we pray, God, that you would, you would help us as a nation to begin to learn wisdom from you so that we can find ways of peace.
not have to send our young men and women out to fight. Teach us, and we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. God, we're so grateful that we're here and we're gathered in this warm building. We pray for those who don't have a place right now, that shelters would be open, that space would be found for anyone who is cold and without a home. We pray for those who need food, that you would bless them through us, through our food pantry. Remind us to give, not just for these Thanksgiving meals, although we pray you would remind us of that too. Remind us to shop for others, to bring that in, to let it be a part of our giving towards others. For those in need of work, God, continue to help them and bless them. And for those in need of a true touch and healing, we pray that you would touch and bless them. We pray you would continue to be with Jim DeYoung and heal his knee. We pray that you would continue to be with Allison Shockley as there will be another surgery coming up. Just pray, God, that you would guide the surgeons and the doctor's hands. We pray for those who are grieving as we enter into this holiday season again and they know that there's an empty seat, an empty place at the table. We pray that you would comfort them and help them, lift them up, and help us to remember those who are missing someone this holiday season. God, we're grateful for the ways you've enabled us to earn money earn a living. And part of the way that we say thank you and remind ourselves that money isn't everything is to give some of that to you, to your cause, to pour that out so that it goes out and blesses our community and the community of people around the world. So take our tithes and offerings, break them, bless them, multiply them, and send them out to be a blessing here in Portage, in Kalamazoo, in our county, in our state, and literally around the world. For we pray and ask all of these things through Christ our King, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now is the time that we will worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. There is a few ways that you can do that. Uh, one, if you're here in the building, is you can put something in our offering kiosk that's just outside the double doors in the middle of the sanctuary here in the foyer. And uh, you can mail something to our physical location at 5625 Oakland Drive, Portage, Michigan. Zip code is 49024. But the quickest way is to scan that QR code that's on your screen right now or go to our website, c3naz.net, click on online giving, and it'll walk you through that safely and securely. However you choose to get you to give, we thank you for your giving, and may God bless you as you give. Good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Esther this morning. All right? I'm going to give you a second to find that one. I'm guessing that's probably been a minute uh, since you may have read from the book of Esther, but you can find it in your Old Testament. It's right between the books of Nehemiah and uh, Job, which I know you read all the time as well. So available for you. Hopefully that helps. But eventually we'll be reading from Esther chapter 4. Uh, right out of the gate this morning, I just wanted to tell you that I am confident that this sermon is unlike any that I have ever preached for you. I love the New Testament. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. Um, someone asked me this morning if I was just playing the VeggieTale video. <laughs> I said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach. Um, 
But um, this is unlike any sermon I've ever preached for you. Normally when I get a chance to preach, sometimes we fit into a sermon series and I'll follow along with what Pastor Jeff's doing. Sometimes he says, do whatever you want. And that's terrifying. So you can blame him. But I was like, I'm going to do something crazy and preach out of Esther this morning. But normally I pick something from the New Testament because I love the words of Jesus. I love the gospel stories. And so that's normally where I gravitate uh, to when I preach. But uh, this morning I am preaching from a story in the Old Testament. The other thing I'm doing this morning that's a little bit out of the ordinary for me is that I want to attempt to give you kind of the 30,000-foot view of this story. This is kind of a flyover experience, if you will, today. Uh, The story of Esther is 10 chapters long, so we're not reading all of that this morning. We can't read all that this morning, and everyone said, Amen. Um, But that means that there is going to be an opportunity for you to follow up and do some reading on your own and check out this book of Esther. Um, And I think, I would guess, that your curiosity may be prompted by the end of the sermon to to go ahead and do that. But uh, the story of Esther is one that I think is incredibly relevant for us today in the world that we are living in. Um, It is a very odd story, for sure, um, and kind of buried in those pages of our Old Testament. But I've come to love this story. And this week, as I've prepared, um, I'm, if I'm being honest, I think the most exciting thing about preaching this for me is that I realize it's not a story that I knew super well before this week. And so, in fact, after preparing, I'm convinced that the version of the story that I did know uh, the most is probably that one that you saw this morning, the story of Esther, where Esther is actually played by a green onion. So, spoiler alert. I found that this story that we're going to encounter today is quite a bit different than what we find in the VeggieTales version. There's a lot more scandal in Esther than what VeggieTales tells us and our kids, which makes a ton of sense. Um, There's some things in the book of Esther that might make us squirm just a little bit, make us a little bit uncomfortable. And some of those things I'm going to share this morning, others of them you'll have to dig for for yourself. Uh, But in spite of some of that scandal, God uses Esther in a powerful, powerful way. And it's an incredible story of God's faithfulness, his deliverance, and how he remembers his people. But before we get too much further into this, we have to kind of do some background work here. Because, like I said, I didn't know this story incredibly well. I don't want to assume anyone here this morning knows the story of Esther. So we have to meet a few characters this morning. So James is going to help me out with this. Alright, so King Xerxes is our first character. He's king of the Persians. That's probably not what King Xerxes looked like, but for me this, this week the choice was VeggieTales or the guy from the movie 300. So I, I had to go make a choice there. So, but King Xerxes, like so many bad kings, was power hungry and he killed and oppressed the people who got in his way. He used his power to control and abuse people, especially women, so not a great guy. Um, King Xerxes had a queen named Vashti. Now, notice that he, he had a queen named Vashti, okay? One day when King Xerxes was drunk, he decided he wanted to parade Vashti around for all the other men to see. Scripture tells us that Vashti was very beautiful, so the king wanted to show her off, maybe in some disrespectful ways, uh, but Queen Vashti refused to do that, and so this made King Xerxes very upset, and Scripture actually says that he burned with anger. And so in his anger, he passes a new law that says that women throughout the kingdom have to obey their husbands, do exactly what they say, and then he has Vashti banished from his presence forever. Okay, In the VeggieTales version, She's banished because she refuses to make him a sandwich. But either way, (laughs) Xerxes is not a great guy, okay? But it's out of this unique situation that we meet Esther because Xerxes now needs a new queen. He doesn't have one anymore. He didn't think about that when he banished his old one. But he, we're told that in this situation, Esther kind of comes on the scene. And we're told that Esther was very beautiful, okay? So we see a little bit of a type here that King Xerxes may have. Um, she's selected to be one of the women, many women who would audition to be the next queen. So after months of preparation, Scripture actually tells us that she went through 12 months of beauty treatments before she was taken to the queen. So nothing says you're beautiful like 12 months of beauty preparations before you can go see the king. But after all that, we're told that King Xerxes found Esther more attractive than any of the other women. He liked her so much that he names her his queen. So it seems all is going well for Esther, right? All of a sudden she finds herself as the queen. She finds herself in a position of power and privilege, security, unique opportunity. But there's a little bit of a problem because Esther is a Jew, right? 
a small detail that she has actually kept a secret. In fact, her name isn't even really Esther. It's Hadassah, okay? Everybody say Hadassah this morning. One, two, three, Hadassah. All right. Uh, so she's not who the king thinks that she is. The other problem is that there's an evil man named Haman who's your classic antagonist in a story because Haman hates the Jews. Haman wants to kill all of the Jews. In fact, Haman offers to pay King Xerxes a large sum of money if he can just get rid of the Jews. The crazy thing is the king says yes. In fact, Xerxes says you can keep your money. Just go ahead and do what you need to do to eliminate the Jews. So all through the land, news begins to spread that the Jews were going to be killed. Esther chapter 3 tells us that no one was to be spared. Young, old, women, children, all were to be killed. The final character that we need to meet this morning is a man named Mordecai. And Mordecai is Esther's cousin, who's also a Jew, who actually adopted and raised Esther after her parents died. So Mordecai is hated by this man, Haman, that we just met. But when Mordecai hears of the plot to eliminate all of the Jewish people, he begs Esther in her new position of power and privilege to do something, to to use that power to say something to the king, to bring about salvation for her people. Okay, so that is your background. Those are your characters. That's where we're going this morning. I know that that's a lot. Um, there's one more character I need to mention to you. Hatok. This is just a small one. Hatok is the go-between. He's the messenger uh, between Mordecai and Esther. So you'll see that pop up in our scripture this morning. I didn't want you to be like, who's Hatok? Um, but those are your characters. You've got Xerxes, Esther, Vashti, Haman, Mordecai, and Hatok. So again, drinking from a fire hydrant this morning, but that's your background. Now you know where we're going. Uh, But we're going to pick up this story in Esther chapter 4, and I know I let you get comfortable with all that, but if you would, stand with me this morning as we read from Esther's story. This is Esther 4, 7 through 17. Mordecai told Hatok the whole story, including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hatok a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hatok to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He asked Hatok to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hatok returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hatok to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him in 30 days. So Hatak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we always say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So this morning, before we go any further in this story, I want to share something with you that I'm learning about myself, that I'm accepting about myself, that's probably been true my entire life, but I'm just coming to terms with, okay? So I struggle with silence, okay? I struggle with being quiet. Um, I have two boys, Owen and Theo. They're six and they're two. So during the day, silence is never a problem. We never have silence in our house. That's just kind of how things work. We've given up on silence during the day. But at night, 
it's a different story because neither of our kids are great sleepers, okay? Especially our youngest, Theo, not a great sleeper. Um, he's a light sleeper. So one of the keys to life and staying alive in our home is being quiet during the sleep times at night and during nap time to make sure that our kids get the sleep that they need. This is key. Um, but I'm horrible at being quiet, and my wife, Morgan, can attest that this is the truth. Um, Morgan has actually told me that I am a loud walker, um, I didn't know that that was a thing. I just kind of thought that everybody kind of walked with the same volume, right? Um, but apparently I'm a loud walker. I just like to think maybe I walk with purpose or something that, that justifies it. But I stomp around, I guess. But on top of that, I'm always knocking something off the counter or I'm like kicking something or dropping something. If you're a parent, you know you have those toys that like sing or make music. Like, I'm always bumping into one of those, and it, like, starts singing, and then I'm, like, frantically looking for, like, the off switch to to turn it off or whatever. Um, But that's just kind of how it goes. The struggle with silence is not something that's just recent for me, I'm discovering. I grew up uh, doing the same thing. Um, My dad would take me out hunting in the woods when I was a kid. And apparently being quiet when you're hunting is an important piece of that. Um, But I I found that that was kind of a struggle sometimes. So I would actually begin to sneak books out into the woods because I figured if I've got to sit there for all that time, I might as well be reading or doing something, right? So I filled that silence. I don't know that I ever became a great hunter. I'm not sure if there's any correlation there or not. But uh, even to this day, like when I'm traveling or I'm in the car, like I'm filling that space with music or podcasts or those kinds of things. When I go to bed at night, if I don't have a sound machine, it's just a little bit too quiet, right? So I struggle with this silence in my life. And so maybe you think that's totally crazy. Uh, you can tell me afterwards. Maybe we have something in common. But I tell you that this morning. There's a reason, I promise. Um, Esther's story is filled with some unexpected silence. Some silence that I think that the characters in our story would have really, really struggled with. The book of Esther makes absolutely no mention of God. It's almost unbelievable to us that that would be the case, but it's hard to wrap our minds around the idea that a book of the Bible does not talk about God and is silent when it comes to God, but it doesn't. There's no mention of God. There's no mention of Jerusalem. There's no mention of the temple. We're not even told that the Jews in our story prayed for sure. Esther says go and fast, but she's going to fast with some of her pagan maidservants. So we're not even sure that 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 fasting was involved with with prayer. So our story is unexpectedly silent when it comes to God's presence. Now, some of you might do what I did the first time that I heard that God was absent from the pages of Scripture, and you kind of start flipping through it frantically, like, looking, there's got to be some evidence of God in this book, right? It kind of bothers us for some reason. God should be in the Bible. Like, that's how this, this goes. Uh, we wouldn't be the first people to be bothered by this. For the first seven centuries of the Christian church, no commentaries were produced on the book of Esther. Seven centuries. No one wanted to touch Esther because they didn't know what to do with it. No one knew quite how to interpret the story. Martin Luther, father of the Reformation, is on record as saying that he wished this book had never become part of Scripture. In the 1950s, Bernard Anderson says, He's a retired, uh, retired. (laughs) He's a Methodist pastor and an Old Testament scholar. He says, if a Christian minister is faithful to the context, he will not take his text from Esther. And if the leader of a church school class shows any Christian discernment, he will not waste time trying to show that the heroes of the book are models of character, integrity, or piety. So in other words, if a pastor is smart, he won't preach from the book of Esther. So what are we doing here this morning? What are, we supposed to, what are we supposed to do with this story of Esther? I'm convinced this morning that this story has a lot to teach us about who God is, even though God is never mentioned by name. Because I think we know that God doesn't have to be explicitly mentioned in order to be present. God does not even have to be acknowledged to be with us. Isaiah chapter 65 says, Before they call for me, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. God does not always wait for us to recognize him before he shows up. God does not always wait for us to remember him before he remembers us. If we go to the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew is clear that that is who Jesus came to be. Emmanuel, a God who is with us. 
And it's not like when Jesus came, he waited for that special invitation from us. He kind of broke into our world and in a really unexpected way because he wanted to be with people. He wants to be present with his people to save his people. That's who he is. But this morning, the Jews in our story probably weren't as sure. They probably didn't know if God was with them. Let me explain why that might be. In the year 539, let's say 539. One, two, three. All right, cool. I don't have any Greek words this morning, so I have to do some things to like, keep you guys awake, okay? All right, but in 539 B.C., after years in exile, Cyrus the Great declares that the Jews are allowed to return to Jerusalem. They're allowed to rebuild their temple. And this is great news for the Jews, right? They get to go home. They get to rebuild their temple. And the temple has always been this symbol of God's presence, right? For them, you could go to the temple. It's where God lived. You could find him there. You could pray for his justice. You could confess. And so the temple was, or at least it symbolized where God was present. And so the Jews who went home to Jerusalem after 539, who knew that they could rebuild their temple, had this great hope of knowing that God was going to be with them, that his presence was always going to be with them. But the story of Esther takes place after 539, after the Jews are free to go home. And Esther and Mordecai and their friends, they are not in Jerusalem. In fact, they're over 800 miles from home. And so they didn't have to be living where they were. They're free to go to Jerusalem. And we're really not told why they didn't or why they couldn't go back. But they would have known that God's presence was surely going to be in Jerusalem and in the temple. But the question remained for them, is God with us? Is God with us here, where we are right now? And it's in this silence, in this questioning, in the uncertainty of knowing if God was going to be with them that Esther, a young woman, is asked to boldly speak up for her people, not knowing maybe if God was going to be with her. And so I want to read for you what she said when she went to the king. This is from Esther chapter 7. The king again said to Esther, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, if I found favor with the king and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? It's a bold move, right? One thing that we're really proud of in the Church of the Nazarene is that we believe strongly that women have always been an essential and equal part of God's plan to redeem the world. We believe that God is still calling women to be leaders, and we believe that God has always done this, and that the pages of Scripture are filled with examples of this, and Esther is just one. Her story is really an amazing story of a woman who risks everything to save others. She dared to break the law. She revealed her identity, which, which was not going to be popular. Even she challenged the authority of an unstable king for the sake of her people. But what's even more incredible is that Esther could have done something else with her power. If we read this story, we see that three times, three times, King Xerxes offered her up to half the kingdom if that's what she wanted. But instead of using her power and her influence for herself, she pleaded for the lives of her friends, her family, and her people. And of course, at the end of the story, all works out. Haman's evil plot is squashed. Haman himself is done away with. And Esther's people are saved, and they receive the assurance of their safety. It's an incredible story. And we could spend a lot of time talking about Esther's bravery and her heroics. But this morning, I think the greater lesson for us And why this peculiar story remains in our Bibles is because God remembers us even in the seasons when we may not always remember him. And so for us this morning, I wonder if we may need to be reminded of that, that God remembers us even in the seasons where we may not always remember him. And maybe for you right now, maybe you're in a great spot and you feel like God is really close. You're walking with him and you're trusting him. And if that's the case, that's great. But this morning, I'm guessing that some of us, we may feel like we're in a season of spiritual silence. You know that God is there, but you just don't feel like he's very close. 
like he's far away, that he's off in the distance. Or maybe right now, if you're being honest, you're just not sure that God is there at all. We talked about the fact that many people throughout history tried to get the story of Esther removed from Scripture because God, he's not mentioned, right? And because it is super scandalous. I am giving you the PG-13 rated version for sure this morning. If you don't believe me, go read how Haman dies. It's crazy. Um, But the reason that others fought for this story of Esther to remain as scripture for us is because it really is a story of God's faithfulness. A beautiful story of God's faithfulness. In Esther chapter 3, we're told that the order to kill the Jews was given on the 13th day of the first month. Aren't you blessed this morning? This means nothing to me, this means nothing to you, but to the Jews, this is a day that meant everything to them. The night of the 13th day of the first month would have been the beginning of Passover for them. When the Jews would have remembered and celebrated that God had delivered them from captivity in Egypt. But the book of Esther, again, doesn't even mention the Passover festival. At a time when they should have been remembering how God had saved them and how he delivered them and brought salvation to them. That should have been on their minds. They should have been leaning into who God had always been. We're not told any of that. And yet they find themselves in a place where they're left wondering where their salvation is going to come from. Will God rescue them? Will God even be with them? And as we read this story of Esther, we're reminded that the answer is absolutely yes. But not because of anything that they did, but because in a season of silence, when it felt like God was in the distance, when God was far away, God showed up to be present with his people anyway. I think we've all had times in our life, if we're being honest, that we we haven't felt like maybe God was as close as we wished that he was. Maybe we have people in our lives, maybe we have friends or family that it doesn't feel like God is very close to them. And if we ask them, they would say that they feel like God is very far away. But the good news that we find in Esther's story is that even when God seems far away, even when our faithfulness falls short, even when the promise of God's presence is 800 miles away, God is a God who is pursuing us and is always faithful to us. C.S. Lewis wrote, We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. In two weeks, uh, we're going to begin a season of Advent here. It's kind of hard to believe that we're coming up on Advent, we're coming up on Christmas, although the snow outside today helps us with that a little bit. But in Advent, we celebrate and we remember that God came to us. We celebrate that God continues to come to us. We celebrate that God will come again to us. And we take this opportunity to remember that God is a God who continues to show up. He's a God who is with us. He's a God who remembers us maybe when we haven't always remembered him. So Advent is right around the corner, but we also know those New Year's resolutions are right around the corner too, right? And I don't know why we do this, but we always feel like that, you know, turning of the calendar to 2023 is the most natural place to make those big changes. But Advent comes before that. And so I want to encourage you this year, as we go into this season of Advent, don't wait for the calendar to flip. If you feel like you're in a spot where God feels further from you than you want him to be, remember that maybe God isn't as far away from you as you think that he is. Lean into the season of Advent that's ahead of you and let it remind you that God is there. Let it remind you that he's a God who broke into a messy world because he wanted to be with people. He wanted people to know him and to trust him. And no matter what season you're going through right now, even if it is a season of silence, he wants to be with you in that. So this morning, my prayer for us is that this story of Esther would remind us that even in the seasons of life when God seems most distant, and maybe even in the seasons when we have forgotten God, He hasn't forgotten us. He's near to us. And we can trust that He's always with us. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? Lord Jesus, We thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are a God who is 
with us and that you're a God who has always been with us. We thank you that even in our wandering, even in our silence, when we have failed to remember who you are, you are faithful and you're present with us. We pray that as you go with us, you would help us to live with the boldness that Esther showed and that we would use our voice and our influence, not not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others and for the sake of your kingdom. We thank you that you invite us to be a part of a kingdom where we know that you are good and that you're with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me send you with this blessing from the Apostle Paul this morning. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go in his peace. We'll see you next Sunday.